And uh, it, it is, uh, it's one of those words that, I love doing word studies. Peace appeared some 86 times in the New Testament. And I thought what was unique about this is every New Testament writer included the word peace. Now, most words are unique to Paul or maybe fall into Peter's writing or maybe John would write about and use a word that was quite unique to his, his particular, particular perspective and text. But peace is something that seemed to be a constant throughout all the New Testament writers. And John was the only one that didn't use it. In, it would be in all the books except he didn't use it in 1 John, but it shows up in 2 and 3 John in the Gospel of John. So it is, it is one of those words that I think is, is quite fascinating as I think about, about its, its use in the New Testament and uh, how it is so relevant in our lives here today. And if uh, <clears throat> I were to sort of define the word for you, it would be best stated for, for me, I think, is the state of tranquility. Often used and understood in the context of war, conflict, and disagreement. Peace is our ultimate goal and our deepest longing. And I think if we were to ask ourselves, if we were to ask for something maybe this time of year, we, we want peace when there's no peace, right? When there's conflict, when there's tension, when there's relationships that are being broken down, we long for nothing more than just peace. We don't care. Don't give me any presents this Christmas. I just want peace in our home. I want to have that opportunity to be able to maybe enjoy this season without the tension. And how many, something, well, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know that families can have conflict and tension and, and, and arguments and disagreements, especially during the holidays. We always have that one person in the family who's the, the instigator, the agitator, you know, the, the one that seems to just say things that shouldn't be said, get said, and then people's feelings get hurt and... And, and, and we know family dynamics, a group dynamic is interesting, and I think it's, it's unfortunate, but it's true. If you don't know who that person is, it's probably you, so uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, <clears throat> say, my family's not like that. Mm, maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe it's you. So um, we're going we're gonna to talk about peace tonight, and I think it is something that uh, shows up in our Christmas story, and it is... The, one of the fruits of the one of the aspects of the fruit of the spirit, and so I think it's fitting that we spend some time tonight talking about the peace. And so I'm going to have the kids help me out a little bit here. Um, kids, we're going to have you help me tell the Christmas story. All right. So I, um, you know, if you're a kid at heart, maybe you could join in. But we're we're going to brainstorm, so it may be a little out of order. So anything that the kids can can help me with. What do you think of when you think of the Christmas story? What comes to mind? When, when you hear the Christmas story. Yeah, I don't know all your names. Kimberly. What does the Bible tell us about Christmas? What, what do you know? Jesus. Jesus. What about Jesus? Yeah, he is the son of God. What, what, what happened on Christmas morning? Yeah, it was his birthday. All right. I should have brought some candy or something. Go get a treat in the back. Um, so, uh, all right, so good. Who else has some thoughts about Christmas? What, what comes to your mind when you think of the big Christmas story? All right, well, we got that covered. Jesus, and he was born on Christmas Day. Who are some of the other characters that are involved in the story? Maybe you can think of somebody else. All right, so, so, so you're right. I think some people would argue the fact is that December 25th when he was born... Uh, I don't think we got to get caught in the weeds, but good, man. You've been having some good conversation with Dad, I'm sure. So, uh, good. So, so, the birth of Jesus, what else happened? What else was going on as we think about this special day? Wise. The wise men, right? We, we see the Magi travel from the east. 
little bit later, and it took them a while to get there. I think Jesus is uh, a little bit older, but it, it is always connected to that Christmas story. Um, people would, these wise men would give gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All right, what else? Christmas story. Whatever, what else comes to mind when you think about characters? They're in that nativity. Okay, the angels, right? We're going to talk about that in a little bit from Luke chapter 2. So we're going to park, we're going to have you hold that one, and we're going to get to some of those details in a minute. Any other, any other thoughts? I appreciate your help here. The shepherds, right? Who the angel came to talk to. We'll look at that in Luke chapter 2 as well. Emma, is it Emma? Emily? Okay. What do you think of when you think of Christmas? God? Yeah. Because God the Father sent his son, right, to be born a baby. He left heaven to come to earth. And so what an exciting time of year. And I think it's so important that our kids learn at an early age what these stories are about. So I appreciate the kids that come regularly, hear these hear these stories from the scriptures because they are going to be foundational truths in which we, we and they, they will build their lives upon. And so um, we're, gonna, we're not going to talk about every aspect of the Christmas story. One of the things, too, sometimes we miss Simeon and Anna. Who were Simeon and Anna um, as we think about the Christmas story? Do you remember who they were? They're, they're a bit obscure. They're not often talked about, but they are probably closer in proximity to the birth of Christ than the wise men. Yeah, they were at the temple when Jesus Christ, eight days old, was, was circumcised. They were there and they worshipped and celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ as soon as they found out. And, and, and just two faithful servants of God, late in years, uh, got to experience the, the newly born Messiah. And so, so some great, great aspects of our Christmas story that are told. And I appreciate you all had helped me out with that. So let's, uh, let's go to our text this morning. This morning, I, I've done it now five times. You know, if I said good morning to you, you know, I'm with you. You know, it is, it is, it is in great. So Luke chapter 2, and we'll be reading from verses 1 to 14. Actually, did we get one? Yep. Oh, there it is. Okay, we can go back, go back. Okay, it says, In those days there went out a degree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, his, his, his betrothed who was with child, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, um, that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Let's leave this verse up because this is where I really want to spend some time tonight. Um, the angels 
Not just the angel, right? We had an angel that met the shepherds and told them, hey, there's a baby that was born. He's the Messiah. He's going to be in Bethlehem. This is where you're going to find him. This is what he's wearing. These are the circumstances. This is who he is, right? He's the, he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. This is the baby that we've been waiting for. And an angel, it says, spoke to these shepherds. But as, as soon as that was completed... It was a heavenly host of angels that broke through the heavens. I wonder how that happened. You know, whether the heaven just, you know, here is night and here is, here is time and space. And then all of a sudden there's a glimpse into eternity. The heavens opened up and the, the multitude of angels began to, to, to celebrate. It was a doxology of sorts. It was, a, it was a moment of worship when it says glory to God in the highest I thought it was interesting as I look at this verse that there are two aspects. There's a heavenly aspect and an earthly aspect. The heavenly aspect is, is this, glory to God in the highest, that, that heavenly place where God resides. The angels kind of had their foot in both worlds, right? They were able to view eternity outside of time and space, enter into the throne room and see the throne room of God and, and see him in all his glory, but at the same time look down to earth and worship and celebrate the Christ child by saying, peace on earth. Peace on earth. And I think it's, it's, it's important to understand why this, this celebration of praise took place. It was because the angels understood who Christ was and what he came to offer. All this in response to him. Why did they say peace on earth? Well, currently there isn't peace on earth, right? Um, even today, there is a peace on earth. But the potential for peace is wrapped up in this person of Christ. The, the, the idea of peace coming is, is, like I said in the definition earlier, we, we often read peace and try to understand peace in the context of war, in conflict, in, in disputes, and, and disagreements. Peace is the resolution of those things. And the person of Christ brings peace. The prophet called him the Prince of Peace. He's called the King of Peace. And so when they saw Christ, they saw peace. I think it's interesting to note, too, that there is a difference between peace with God and the peace of God. We're talking about what the, the fruit of the Spirit, what the, the Spirit of God is able to produce in us, is, I think, the peace of God, that we can have that perfect peace, tranquility, in spite of the chaos that goes around us. But it is only until we have peace with God, a product of a, of a, a restored and a healed relationship that brings peace with God that ultimately produces the peace of God. There's a difference. So, where is man at? And I think it's important that we recognize who man is. We're sinful by nature. That was the inherent problem. That was all the way through through humanity's history, all the way back to Adam, and if we can get Romans 8 up there, we'll see where man is at in relationship to God. All right? I think we already touched on that, a state of tranquility. And Romans 8, it says this, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. Listen to these words. It doesn't submit to God's law, and indeed it cannot. Where there is this hostility, a natural division because of man's sin and the holiness of God, there's a separation and an incredibly difficult problem that must be solved. And that's solved through Jesus Christ. And so 
If we were to look at verse 6, it talks about how that it's, it's the reconciliation. Can we pull up 6, or is it too late to try to do that? Okay, well, we'll leave it at that. That's a homework assignment. Look at verse 6. It definitely deals with the solution. But we'll, we'll go to the solution in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. There's, there's plenty of verses that can lead us to the solution, the person of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 15. And it says this, the abolishment of the law... The, the abolishment, the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that it might create in himself a new man in place of the two, so making peace. What he's dealing with here is that uh, the law points to sin, and the fact that we are sinners creates this hostility and separation from God. There's the problem. But the solution is that God can make peace and make reconciliations. Romans 5.1 tells us the war is ended. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, faith in Jesus Christ, the work that has been done, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace towards men, this is what he's talking about. The war can be ended. The conflict can cease. There, there can be a relationship with him. There can be peace with God then leads to the peace of God, which is, again, something we all long for. Albert Einstein had an had a interesting quote here, and I thought it was so fitting within the context of what we're looking at here. Peace is not merely the absence of war, but it's the presence of justice, law, and of order. See, what God does is he brings justice. God can't just ignore sin, right, to bring peace. He doesn't ignore sin to bring peace because that would violate God being a just God. You say, well, God is a loving God. Yes, but he is a just God. He is a God of law, and he is a God of order. If sin has created an offense, there's a consequence for those actions. The wages of sin is death. God can't ignore his law. He says, I have to deal with sin. And so what he does is not only bring Jesus Christ as a baby. I love the way that somebody described it. It's not only the crib, but it's the cross and the crown. It's, it's the birth. Yes, we celebrate today. But I think what the angels understood, that it wasn't just a baby born in a manger that was just a special child, but he would die to satisfy the justice and, and the order that God demanded. That sin needed to be taken care of, and he said, I'd be willing to do that. Come to earth, live a perfect life, die as the, the satisfying sacrifice, and then the crown when he comes to rule and reign in the future. And so I think Albert Einstein was on to something when he said peace isn't merely the absence of war, but that it's the presence of justice, law, and of order. Ronald Reagan said the same thing, and I thought it was almost an interesting that their quotes were, were mirroring each other. He said, peace is not the absence of conflict, but the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. You know, there is, there's, there's not only the importance of speaking truth, and we're trying to resolve conflicts even among ourselves. Speak the truth, yes, but the scriptures say we speak it in love. How is that truth conveyed? You know, the word of God is quick and sharper, powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It says it divides and sunder soul and spirit and joints and marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. The word of God is powerful, but how are we using it? I hope we can use it like a scalpel's, uh, a, a, like a surgeon's scalpel, right? And if we see sin in, in, in the lives of others and we need to approach that or we need to somehow resolve that, we would do it with precision and accuracy, motivated by love to, to remove, help remove that, that, that offense and bring healing to the relationship. 
understand that holidays often come with uh, the festivities and joy, decorations and celebrations, but I guarantee there is also a heightened level of stress. How many, how many felt a little stressed this holiday season? Stressed to even get here tonight, all right? We, 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 we enjoy the season, but we sometimes put too much on our plate. We, we, we overcommit. We overspend. <laughs> and we, we, we have the, the buyer's remorse, right? There's a lot of things that are, that are maybe we, we, we need to downsize and simplify to help create the, the less stress, less chaos, and maybe a little bit more peace. And so as we gather here tonight, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to belabor this point, but I think it's important to recognize that, yes, the fruit of the Spirit is something that God generates in us. One of those aspects is the peace that comes from Him, something I think we all long for. You, you talk to anybody on the street that is having stress and conflict and, 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 and tension and relationships, even maybe internally wrestling, absence of peace because they know that something's just not right. We can offer the, the solution, the person of Jesus Christ that brings healing and rec reconciliation and restoration, the peace with God. And then I think we can move to the fruit of the Spirit that God will then bring the peace of God into his life or her life. And so you're here today and you've yet to trust Christ, I think it's important that you recognize that maybe that internal tension, that, that conflict and the, the struggle that you're feeling could very well be the absence of relationship with the Holy God, that your sin is offensive to Him, and yet He wants to resolve that. He wants to, to bring healing, and it is through the person of Jesus Christ. That's why the angels could say, peace on earth. We reject Christ. We can't have peace. Without God, without agreeing to God's law and order. By the way, if we say that we want peace, all parties in the conflict have to come to a resolution, right? If two nations are at war, they have to stop the war, peace, right? But it has to be an agreement of, of, of terms. We are at war with God, hostile enemies toward Him. But if we humble ourselves and agree to His terms, healing, forgiveness, peace, true peace, can come. And again, I think it's something we long for. It's an objective standard that he has set forth. And that when that happens, I think there's peace. Also, I think about scriptures where it talks about the perfect peace. Peace, is the peace that passes all understanding. Um, this is what God has for us. I hope and I wish and I pray that your holiday, your Christmas and New Year's and this as, as we look forward to the future, would be, would be filled with peace. Peace with God, yes. But also the peace of God, that peace that passes all understanding, that will, will bless your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. The fruit of the Spirit, Lord, is, is manifold. It's many. It's rich. And one thing that we need more right now, I think maybe than, than, than ever in a timely thought for this, this holiday season is peace. And Lord, through all the, the stress and the busyness, I pray that you would calm our hearts and still our minds to recognize that we can have peace with you and that we can have your peace in our lives. Lord, so I pray that you bring healing and restoration to relationships that have been damaged by sin, that offensive words and actions that have been taken can be resolved, that there would be a healing in those relationships when confession is made. Honest assessment of the situation 
to bring healing. God, we trust you for that. Well, God, we also trust that you will uh, work on our hearts. There's one here today even that is yet to trust Christ, that today will be the day of new beginnings. They would recognize they can have peace with God. The war can end. They can lay down their arms. They can cease fire and agree to your terms of forgiveness and healing and new life through the person of Jesus Christ. Peace can be unearthed. We agree to your terms. And we understand the incredible blessings that you have for us uh, rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, God, we pray for your hand to bless our, our, our evening, our time together tonight as we, we go our own ways and, uh, and tomorrow celebrate the, ba the baby's birth, our Messiah come to this world to save our souls. And so, Lord, we just pray for your blessings now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.